house in. And now... You are going to have to let us stay. Doesn't make sense. I closed the gate. What if he never left? What if we locked him out here with us? He'd want to attach himself to someone again. A new host. It's building something. No matter what happens, we have to stop him. Together. Now it's time. It's 1985 in Hawkins, Indiana, and the summer's heating up. School's out, and there's a brand new mall in town. And the Hawkins crew are on the cusp of adulthood. Romance blossoms and complicates the group's dynamic, and they'll have to figure out how to grow without growing apart. Meanwhile, danger looms when the town's threatened by enemies old and new. Eleven and her friends are reminded that evil never ends, it evolves. Now they'll have to band together to survive and remember that friendship is always stronger than fear. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, media. EliasRoushMedia.com. Today we are discussing Stranger Things Season 3. We're going to do the entire Season 3 recap. We've seen all of Stranger, Stranger Things Season 3 and... I was trying to debate whether I should do episode by episode like a lot of podcasts are doing or kind of just do a full um, season recap. And uh, just based on how things were lining up, it looks like that we're going to have to do uh, a full season recap and we'll divide it with a non-spoiler spoiler section. So... um Stranger Things, everyone who's anyone that has Netflix or is aware of Netflix knows what a Stranger Things is. It was uh, the phenomenon that came out in July 15th of 2016 um, that focused around uh, coming-of-age Stephen King slash Steven Spielberg-esque style miniseries. And it leans heavily into the nostalgia that was provided from um, media from the 80s. Now, when I say, well, and it's not just media, I guess it's all pop culture, uh, zeitgeist, um, inhabitants. It just everything that was popular in the 80s is probably going to be referenced in Stranger Things, for better or for worse. So if you're a big uh, 80s buff head or whatever you want to call it, um, then 
this would be the show that you would want to watch because it references and um, you know does a tip of the hat to other major motion uh, movies, television shows, and uh, other things that were just popular in the eighties. And Stranger Things, when it first came out in season one, was a pop cultural phenomenon. Um, it was one of the biggest shows that was uh, kind of unceremoniously hyped for. Like, no one had any idea that it was coming out. It was just kind of, people were discovering it kind of overnight on Netflix. I think it was within, like, the first month that it was released that it started breaking records on there. Um, but overall, season one was an excellent series uh, to introduce you to Stranger Things. And that's where we were introduced to the gang of, uh, you know, all of our main characters, Eleven, and the adult characters. Um, season two, um, season, the way that season one um, wrapped up was um, satisfying and emotionally satisfying as well. I'd say it was, you know, entertaining, uh, you know, uh, it took you on an adventure of a ride. The writing was excellent. The visuals were spectacular. Um, the budget budget was not quite as big as it is today for season three. Um, but I still think they did a phenomenal job with season one. So season, uh, season two came out, I believe it was the year after. Let me see if I can get the, the date after for season two real quick. Season two um, ended up coming out a year later in October 27, uh, 2017. And I think the overall uh, critique on the second season is they added one more episode from season one. So it made it a nine-episode series. Um, and that one extra episode really did a... a a doozy for them. That one extra episode for season two of Stranger Things, I think it was episode seven, chapter seven, The Lost Sister. It um, it was a flat episode in the way that it was trying to introduce additional characters and world building. The overall problem, if I remember, of season two is that they were separating some of the kids and the dynamics that worked the best in season one. Um, and they didn't, they weren't all in the same place. Like, uh, I think they, the Arrested Development had a similar problem. They had all these great casts, but they couldn't get them all in the same room because of scheduling. So I'm not sure if that's what ended up happening for season two, but it ultimately felt a little bit hollow. And um, the repercussions of season two did not feel uh, substantial, I would say. Nothing felt like, uh, weighted like it didn't matter whether if um it nothing nothing mattered at the end of season two so it ultimately felt inconsequential so rolling on over to season three um I had mixed feelings kind of coming in I was I was kind of temperamental on uh season two. So going into season three, I was a little hesitant. I wasn't sure if I was, you know, as hyped for it because that season one was so good. Like I always say that that first album is always the best. And, you know, following the first album with second and third albums is the, always the most difficult. But for some reason, television shows seem to kind of try to expand 
on the world in season two, and then will backtrack on season three to to kind of correct what they had f- fucked up in season two. So, is Stranger Things season three uh, going to backtrack on season two to make the storylines and the people and it make them more interesting or matter? And I'd say the answer is yes. Season three is a definite hit for Netflix and in a positive manner. I think that the majority of the mess ups, excuse me, the fuck ups in season two were uh, the the fact that the new characters weren't that great and they had everybody kind of scattered. I'd say for season three, they do have a couple of the problems with, you know, having the characters all over the board, like all over town or all, you know, a couple states over or something like that. But the majority of the cast is all within a pretty close proximity for um, most of the episodes. So that's what we want to see is these cool pairing offs of different characters and character actors and um, groups and stuff like that. So I will say that um, the beginning of season three was... Uh, it took a little bit of warming up to, you know, kind of getting used to it because I felt like a lot of the situations they were putting us in for season three, um, chapter, chapter, uh, sorry, episodes one and two were kind of cliche. I found that a lot of the comedy, a lot of the tropes, I, you know, it's stuff that we had seen before. Obviously, a lot of it was relying heavily on uh, nostalgia and um, things that we had obviously seen in other movies and probably done just a little bit better in some cases. But I found the first couple episodes, the first, up until the fourth episode, I think, I was kind of, oh, sorry, the third episode was more or less. The first two episodes, I felt a little bit slow. But once we hit that third episode, chapter three, um, it really starts to hit its stride. I think that once once they uh, kind of get all on the same page is when it's when it's the best. Uh, the biggest thing I noticed about season three is the tonal shifts. I felt in season one there was a big consistency of, um, you know, adventure and horror blend and a little bit of comedy to, to mix it in there. Season two kind of was trying to find its footing again. I felt like they were trying to expand the world just a tad bit. It was not nearly as, uh, quote-unquote, comedic. Season 3 is like 40-60, 40% comedy, 60% horror. And the adventure in it is kind of contrived in a way that you'd have to just open your mind to believing that children would be able to intercept messages or decode messages or um, take on a bodyguard or something like that. Just stuff like that. Um, Whenever you see like a a children's uh, movie from the 90s and the kids are going to fight the bad guys, there's almost no way a bad guy, uh, sorry, you know, quote unquote bad guy antagonist, uh, a guy with a machine gun would get taken down by a couple of kids using some Home Alone style uh, rigged up pranks or something like that, you know? So you kind of have to uh, forfeit your wave of believability when you're watching this show, I think just a tad bit, because 
for some reason, I don't remember it being that bad in the first um, first two. Like the the stretch of believability was only like you just have to believe that there's aliens or something like that, or that they have tech uh, uh, powers of some sort. You know, um, this is like you got to believe that kids that are quote unquote normal can just do kind of the most craziest of shit. Um, I will say I love the horror in this. Um, I've become, I'm not saying I'm a horror buff, but I've become much more interested in it since, uh, the movie it, I, I love that movie. I think it does one of the best jobs of blending, uh, what's it, uh, comedy and horror together and, and adventure. And I think that, um, this movie definitely takes, um, sorry, this show definitely takes elements of that, but it still is trying to find its footing in it. Um, the Duffer Brothers direction in, uh, I think they, I think they opened up the season and they also, let me see, they did the first two episodes. Let me see if they did the third. So the third episode was once they started to get going and that's not, Sean Levy was the director in episodes three, four, um, Uta Beatrice Witz was a director of the fifth episode, and I think three, four, five were my favorite episodes of the, uh, season. Um, I do think that it's the strongest at probably episode four, just from the character's perspective and what's going on with the plot. Um, let me see. So, yeah, honestly, the Matt, the, the Duffer brothers have a good direction. It's just I don't think that they gave themselves the best episodes to direct, honestly, because they direct the first couple and then they direct the last. Um, let me see. They direct uh, six, seven, eight. So, yeah, honestly, my favorite my favorite episodes were not directed by the Duffer brothers, which is kind of interesting. Um let me see. I want to see who did episode three, season one, was my favorite episode of season one. Sean Levy. Okay, so Sean Levy is the other director that is an, uh, another director on Stranger Things that is helping um, direct some of these episodes as well. Um, so, yeah. Well, let's let's get back to it. So, um, I guess the easiest thing to do would kind of be talk about the technicals, and then we'll go into the... Uh, the storylines. Um, technically, I thought, kind of like the comedy and horror, I thought it was kind of 60-40. 40% had amazing, amazing special effects on the monster design and morphing design of uh, stuff. Um, the, the horror in this is turned up to 11 and I love it. I, I I mean, I'm sure this is scaring the shit out of kids all over the place and they're, they're experiencing some of this, uh, body horror for the first time on this, um, on this television show, but it's, it is a great opening to see what other media has done, such as like, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing or, uh, Cronenberg's The Fly. Um, so I, I really enjoy the bar, body horror aspect of this because it, it's creepy as hell. And I think that there's some there's an element of horror these days that just is kind of, uh, I don't know, I, something about body horrors kind of has to be creative because you, 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 it's not just like cutting off a, 
a limb or something like that. You know, it's it's the transformation of you going into a monster, and it's 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 a crazy thing. And I think that this um, this show, you know, shows it pretty pretty well. And we see that kind of in season two with uh, Will being taken over by um, the Mind Flare at one point. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. So yeah, there's um, the technicals. Let me, let me go back to it. The, the horror aspect of it, yes. I think it's done pretty much perfectly. Um, no complaints about it. Um, the second part of that... I felt like I was watching a CW special or something when I was watching pretty much everything that was happening in the mall. Something about what was happening in the mall felt like it was shot with either different cameras or different lighting or something about the color correction felt very weird. I don't know if it was the television I was watching it on. I am watching it on a 4K Samsung 50-inch or something like that. So maybe it's uh, the Fire Stick is streaming it funny. But um, there's something about when the camera and the characters were outside in uh, in witnessing a monster of some sort um, or a scary scene of some sort versus when they're inside uh, the mall and... Something about the fluidity of the frames per second looked different. I don't know if it was me personally that could that could see that, or if anyone else was seeing this, and this is uh, a problem for a couple of people, but I really did feel like they kind of messed up on something visually. I don't know if you needed to put some sort of like uh, filter over it or something, because it felt like every time that we were inside the stall star mall court and and a lot of the scenes they were sitting they were on a set and it was quite obviously it was on a set and uh that it it did bother me i was like wow netflix I, you do you do so great on some of you know the majority of the special effects but when it comes down to you know blending everyone together to make it look like it everyone's in the same place i didn't see it i i've really there was something about this season that made it feel like Everywhere they went was a set. I don't know why. I, I really don't know why. Um, I want to say it's the frames per second, but I, I, I can't exactly prove that at the, right now. And I, I haven't heard any podcast talk about it. Um, so let's see. Anything else? The, the music, obviously, there's music references and uh, homages to, to older movies. Uh, I, if I name all the movies, then I feel like I'm just... Uh, doing what everyone else is doing. So I, I'll let you find them for yourself. But I, I really like the majority of them. There's a big element of the, uh, what is it, the, the body snatchers? Is that what that, what the body snatchers? Uh, invasion of the body body snatchers, apparently, is a major part of this um, season. And I like that kind of uh, horror. It's kind of psychological horror as well. So, um yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on when it, when it comes to the horror side of it. I think that it's just the story side where it really is lacking in focus. And uh, we can kind of go into a little bit more detail on the specific characters. Um, the new characters that were introduced into second season that a lot of people were not... Uh, 
We're Not Feeling was uh, Dacry Montgomery as Billy Hargrove and uh, Sadie Sink as Max Mayfield. And they are brother and sister, or half siblings or something like that. And those characters felt very inconsequential in the second season. Um, in this season, they make them much more of a focus. Both of them have a reason that they need to be in the story. Um, Maya Hawk is Robin. Maya Hawk is uh, the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. And my God, she is great. I... Uh, Robin, I think, was one of my favorite new characters of this season. Um, Priya Ferguson is Erica Sinclair, who plays Lucas's little sister. And uh, she had a couple of standout scenes at the dinner table in season two, and everyone loved her. So just like that, she gets a major part <laughs> in uh, the Duffer Brothers season three, which I think ultimately comes back to bite them in the ass. They they they. They use her too much. Um, let me see. All right, all right, all right. So those are the main characters, I guess, that come come through um, on the new cast. I'm trying to see if there's anyone else. Um. Okay. Yeah. So both of them, they. The new characters, actually all of the characters, all have a very pivotal role. I felt like with the characters that they introduced in this this season, they made sure all of them had um, something to do. But with doing that, with introducing three new characters, that means we have to do something with our other characters, such as some of our favorite characters. Winona Ryder is Joyce Byers. David Hopper as Tim, uh, Jim Hopper. These two characters are some of the best characters in the Stranger Things universe, and I think they are absolutely wasted during this um, season. The first two seasons, they both have very strong emotional connections to the children and to the, the town of what's going on. Um, Joyce, season one, she's lost her child, Will, and so you're with her throughout her uh, you know, her breaking down, trying to figure out what the hell happened to her son and um, trying to explain a phenomenon that could never really happen. Um, season two, you had uh, Jim Hopper, and he was trying to learn how to be a better father to Eleven. But with doing that, um, there, there was interesting... Um, there was interesting things that could be mined from the father-daughter relationship of Jim Hopper and Eleven. And by the end of that season, it felt like a lot of that was resolved. The problem is they kind of reset both of those characters at the beginning of season three, almost as if the first two Stranger Things never happened, in, in a way, I would say. Mostly because their interaction throughout most of the seasons are only with each other. I mean, they kind of have their own romantic comedy uh, movie on their own. So they really do separate the Joyce and Jim Hopper um, storylines from the rest of them. And I do feel like it's a little bit of a MacGuffin um, of what, they ha what they're made to do. Um. So I ultimately feel like those characters were wasted. A lot of people were going to say, 
the children are going to run into a problem and that ultimately the children aren't interesting. So with saying that all the children are going through a will-they-won't-they coming-of-age story. Um, They're all trying to figure out whether they're supposed to be playing with toys or they're supposed to be playing with makeup and, uh, you know, more adult-centric stuff or... um, or if they're supposed to be, you know, solving mysteries, they're they're really trying to find their way because um, all of them are on different trajectories. I guess is what you would say. I mean, we have Mike and Eleven at the beginning of the series uh, having uh, sort of a relationship, and honestly, I was like gagging in my mouth the entire time. I was like, this is so cliche. And we have Jim Hopper, the father who's pissed off, who doesn't want. Uh, her daughter seeing some guy and it seems like a very tropey uh cliche comedic storyline that didn't work for me ultimately opening up and the way the the biggest problem for me personally from the storytelling perspective is that the arcs of most of the characters are incomplete and that this season kind of set up problems only for them to be halfway um, resolved. And if they're halfway resolved, then what's the point, you know, setting up the problem? So, um, let me see. Um, yeah, so I really do feel like the problems of the kids were kind of minuscule, I guess, in proximity to what's going on. Um, my favorite character, my MVP of this season has, I think is going to be Lucas. I remember he was kind of the contrarian in season two, and he was kind of, I think he was jealous of Eleven or something. I don't remember exactly. Um, but Caleb McLaughlin, um, as Lucas Sinclair, was hilarious, I think, in this season. I think he he really channels his uh, young Michael B. Jordan um, with a lot of his energy. I think he has this charisma around him that is... Uh, is contagious. He he looks like a fun guy to hang out with. And, uh, I don't know, something, something about that character was really drawing me to him. Um, Gatton Matazero was, uh, is Dustin, Dustin Henderson. Um, I'm going to be frank. I'm just, uh, I I guess we're kind of talking about spoilers now. So I, the spoiler bumper is now up so that we can talk about the, the rest of the series, with the characters, because I, I I do want to go through and talk about overall um, feelings. So I guess before we go into spoilers, I will say, um, so that we can talk about the rest of uh, the character development and what happens with them, I'll say definitely check out Stranger Things Season 3. If you haven't watched any of the Stranger Things at all, just check out Season 1 and uh, work your way up to 3. If you don't think you're going to like season one, watching a couple episodes, then don't worry about season two and three. It's not going to be your show. Um, but this show is, is certainly developing in a a different manner than I was expecting, but also they're having to work against the clock. So, um, because these kids are growing up. I mean, I just want to bottle each one of these kids and have them as kids forever. I'm sure the Duffer brothers feel the same. Um, because these are, they're excellent actors and, uh, 
I want to see them in more stuff than just Stranger Things, I guess. That's that's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, but yeah, definitely check out Stranger Things Season 3. Let's talk about spoilers right now. So we were talking about Gatton Mazzaro as, uh, as uh, Dustin. Dustin and uh, Joe Carey as Steve Harrington are both... Paired back together, just like they were in season two. They were kind of the dynamic duo in season two. And uh, season three, they pair them up at the Starcourt Mall. And I guess because we're in spoiler spoiler territory, we can talk about pretty much everything now. But um, I will say, that was the most... For me personally, I was the most uninterested in the Dustin and Steve Robin storyline. They have this um, storyline where they have to, they've intercepted some sort of Russian message that has to do with meeting somewhere in the Starcourt mall where Steve and Robin, uh, where they work at. And the whole premise is that uh, Russians have infiltrated Hawkins, Indiana and have reopened the portal to the upside down mind flare monster. And I think there's a major problem between the Russian there's a Russian problem, I guess you the Russian infiltration problem versus the mind flare problem. And I really do feel like those two never really correlate in in what's going on from the storyline. I get that Joyce and Hopper are trying to take this uh, this um, Russian scientist to to go close the portal. I guess I'm not really sure. And this this name Alexei, and the the scientist apparently is doing it uh, against his will. And so naturally, that scientist gets killed by a hitman that looks like uh, a knockoff Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that's where they get the Terminator homages from. But um, it, it it's predictable in the way that things happen, I think. I, a lot of these tropes are, are predictable, and we've seen them, you know, get the important guy to the other place, and the two are bickering the whole way, and and then you have someone that tells, you know, turns around and says, why don't you just two sleep together already? You know, it's like we've seen this before in a lot of other movies a lot of other uh, romantic comedies i would say and so ultimately that was my biggest problem the russians the mind flare all of the problems that everyone was trying to solve all felt like they were different they they were all different problems i guess and they never really connected in a way that felt cohes- cohesive does that make sense um but yeah, I there was something there was a through line from the entire show that I felt like they were all solving different problems that ultimately meant nothing. Um, at the end, obviously, we lose uh, Jim Hopper to the explosion that that Joyce does uh, that she turns with the keys, and uh, I didn't really understand why he stood there. I, I felt like there was plenty of time for Hopper to to get out of there of some sort, and and I don't. It didn't really make much sense why Hopper would want to be killed unless he was captured, which is probably what happened based on what we see at the end of 
the um, the credits with uh, the flash flash over to the Russians and they're feeding some sort of Demi Gordon thing and in Russia and feeding it humans and there's possibly Jim Hopper is one of the humans that might get fed in the next season. So um, I absolutely don't think we lost uh, Jim Hopper. I thought it was a little bit weird how we lost him as a character. Um, like I said um, about Dustin, kind of rewinding back to Dustin and Steve and Robin's storyline. And, and I guess you bring um, Lucas's sister. I forgot I forgot what her real name is in it. Uh, Erica. So that whole... That whole situation is just a big 90s movie clumped together because the infiltration of the the Russian base, there's an evil Russian general that has an evil Russian doctor, scientist guy. There's just too many things that we've seen from other movies that have kind of done it a little bit better, in my opinion. Um, I was just... I was a little let down, I'll be honest. I just wasn't crazy about it and it felt like there was no um uh I don't know something about it the way everybody was reacting nobody was telling anybody anything and that really bothered me I wanted I wanted the whole town to know that this shit is going down and I felt like for some reason all of this mind flare shit all of this shit is all happening in a very contained location having this secret Russian base that would have had been dug deep for 30 floors deep um, would have taken months and months and months, and people would have noticed it. There's just um, a couple of plot contrivances that you, you're going to have to get over to watch this, I guess, because it's like, okay, you're going to have to believe that there's you know aliens. Okay, you're going to have to believe that people have sort of mind powers. Season two, okay, there's probably more people out there that are like 11. And then season three, they kind of retract that again. Um, I just, I don't know. Just uh, this, this show is definitely hitting some rocky courses. And I think they, the Duffer brothers could use a, maybe a couple punch-up riders just to make sure that everything is cohesive and makes sense. Um I do like the re, the interaction between the kids. I, I like the re- interaction between uh, uh, Nancy and Jonathan. Nancy and Jonathan in real life, actually, Natalia Dyer and Charlie Heaton, uh, I believe they actually date in real life. Don't know if they still do. Nancy Wheeler and Jonathan Byers, those, those are the two characters they play. Um, they, they have a very interesting uh, dynamic going along the rats, um, and they work within the newspaper um, facility, and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with the rats, which you know we've, we know now that the rats are infecting the humans, and the humans are kind of morphing into the mind flare. Um, so I was um, I was really on board with the um, the rat subplot and everything like that i mean it really gets going i think it's around episodes three or four where the the old lady is like taken over by the rat and it's like oh shit you know it's like this is the type of shit i'm uh i'm here to watch for because it's it's crazy shit it's nothing like we've seen in uh, stranger things one or two so um i was really here for the the rat stuff and uh the morphing of stuff i think that they had a really cool dynamic and they once again put her in a pretty tropey 
tropey, cliche um, situation of um, being one of the only females at the office and all of the guys literally giving her a hard time trying to get a story pushed through. Which, yes, it does have some things to say. Um, from, uh, you know, behind the scenes, you know, being a female in the workplace. But um, ultimately, I thought that um, it's it's kind of flat. Like, nothing is resolved from that standpoint um, by the end of the series or by the end of the season. Um, Jonathan probably gets a little bit more of an eye-opener just so that he can... They're both interns at this, uh, you know, newspaper facility that's run pretty much majority by men. And so... They both have very interesting um, dynamics within the newspaper um, facility. And uh, Jonathan does not know how hard it is for uh, Nancy to get to get a story through. So um, I think that is pretty eye-opening. Um, there's a big subplot with Billy and uh, Karen Wheeler that really sets things off. And it honestly does some great... Um, homages to earlier 80, 80 movies, 80s movies with uh, uh, bringing in, you know, the slow motion walk with going down, you know, it's not quite Baywatch, it's, uh, you know, when, when the lifeguard's walking, the hot lifeguard is walking by everyone by the pool and they're all fawning over him. I mean, it's it, it, it it's that cliche, but it's done expertly and I think some of the flirting and writing in it was done um it, Pretty pretty well. Um, Kara Buno as Karen, uh, sorry, Kara Buno as Karen Wheeler, who is um, Mike's mother, is uh, is she's going through kind of a midlife crisis of not enjoying being with her family, flirting with probably an eighteen year old, and. Uh, also having to be a mother to uh, a daughter who's about about the same age. And so um, the conversation they have with uh, Karen and Nancy, I think it's in episode three, is one of the most heartfelt um, scenes within the show. I, I think there's a select few um, scenes in the show that really are stand out, and this, this is one of them that really caught my eye with Karen... Uh, Wheeler and Nancy Wheeler in the kitchen, and they are really just talking, having a heart to heart, and uh, it, it it was moving for me. I mean, I'm I'm neither a mother, mother nor a daughter, um, but I could definitely feel um, feel the love between um, the family dynamics, and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I didn't like how they kept Dustin away from the entire group again. I, I don't remember if they did that a lot in season two. Honestly, season two is kind of a blur in my opinion, but um, I would say that I was not crazy about having Dustin and Steve trapped in the Russian base for the majority of the season. I, I like Dustin interactions with uh, everyone else. Um, I, I'm glad Mike had a, uh, sorry, not Mike, Will Byers, uh, Noah Schnapp as Will Byers, had a bigger role. I wish this kid could be happy because there's a a small problem with Will and he's kind of a late bloomer. We don't know exactly what he wants besides to play with his, you know, his friends. Doesn't really have tons of uh 
I don't know, independence or traits that really characterize who he is. So we don't really know who he want, who he is, or what he wants. And there's also possible. There is a possibility that Mike, in one scene, says it's not my fault that you don't like girls. Um, is there a possibility that Will is asexual, bi, gay, or you know something else? Um, I thought that was an interesting um, dynamic that they don't explore once again. They might leave it for later. But um, let's talk about Eleven and Mike, Millie Bobby Brown and Finn Wolfhard, both amazing actors. But I do feel like they're running out of steam and they don't know what to do with these kids. Um, it's the will they won't they situation. And once they will, it's like, okay, so now what? Um, they're really trying to do the balancing act with Millie Bobby Brown as 11 and Mike as, um, as the couple that are trying to figure out, you know, do they want to hang out with their friends or do they want to be a couple? And then they find out, you know, eventually that they can do both. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Just it's not an interesting storyline, I think. And in comparison to what was going on in season one and season two, we had life or death situations going on with people that we really gave a shit about. And there are life or death situations going on in here, but there's not really a moment where I felt like we're going to lose one of these kids. So I, I think a lot of people had suspected that we were going to lose some of these kids. I don't know if they have the balls. I don't think the, the the Duffer brothers have the balls to take away one of these kids. Um, I mean, they took away one of the main characters that were introduced last last year, but I mean, he's not a, a core member of the group. So, second, he's like second, third string if you really want to get down to it. Um, yeah, so I think we're starting to run into the to a difficult part of the the show and the storyline where. A lot of these kids are, have plot armor on them, and it's starting to become way more obvious. I'm not sure who we need to lose, but I think we definitely need to lose one of these kids because the, the cast is huge, and the plot does not know what to do with everyone. Um, obviously, we lose Jim Hopper at the, the end of this, but I don't believe for a second he's dead. Um, Sadie Sink is Max Mayfield. I, will, I do want to say kind of a shout-out to her. Um, I think she does a fantastic job being uh, Eleven's friend, kind of introducing her to another side of uh, femininity, being a feminist, I guess. I don't know. Um, We have uh, anything else, anything else, anything else. Uh, Randy Havens is Mr. Clark. He gets a very big opening, only for him to never come back on screen. (laughs) Um I wasn't a big fan of the Terminator guy. I felt like well, the majority of the Russians in general were very one uh, one note, and I don't really understand why they can't elaborate on some of them or give them a little bit more of a, an emotional tie-in to make it make sense a little bit more, not just to have Russians in the mall for for the sake of it. Um, and the fact that every that we had like three characters on screen, maybe two or three, that could talk in multiple languages and learn Russian. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, we have Jake Busey as a uh, Bruce and he plays such a jackass. <laughs> Good Lord. That guy has a punchable face. 
yeah, I hope he gets uh, more um more work like that. Oh, and Carrie Elves, I, I think is his name. He is the uh, politician in here that's definitely – he plays Mayor Larry Klein. And him and Jim Hopper uh, in episode three or four, I think it's four, have one of the best scenes. I was on pins and needles. I was like – the dialogue's like boom, bam, boom, boom, boom. And it was just on point. I loved every second. This was when uh, Jim and Joyce went to go bust up in the mayor's office. When at right after he was beat up, um, and Jim Hopper's really uh, channeling his inner Magnum PI, throwing his feet on the desk, mustache on, uh, dad bod on, everything's on check. <laughs> it was just uh, a funny ass scene, and uh, I was trying to figure out where I had seen Carrie Ells before, um, and so he was the main one of the main characters, and. Saw and uh, in the original Saw, and he was also the princess in the Princess Bride and uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Uh, so we, we we've seen him in a lot of things. I just couldn't remember where I'd seen him from. Um, so yeah, he's really channeling his inner um, Donny T, if you know what I mean. Um, let me see who else. Donald Trump, if that's who we were wondering. Um, yeah, so we um we pretty much covered all the um the little things, the small things, the the major details, the the major scenes that really popped out me out at me were um in the first episode, you know, the slow walking by the pool, you know, the Billy telling uh kids to slow down and the women looking at him. Um Jim Hopper obviously um going off on on the mayor in his office, which I don't know how Jim Hopper's not in jail after all the shit he's done. It, it, the only way he's okay is if he's in Russia, because <laughs> he literally committed uh, like three or four crimes in in the course of like the episode, the middle episodes. Um, let me see. Um, yeah, so it was uh the pool scene, the Jim Hopper scene, the uh. Mm. The sauna test, the when they have Billy in the sauna. I think there's some really creepy in, imagery with uh, the the mind flare like absorbing people's faces and stuff like that, and and just people like turning into goo of some sort. I mean, it was disgusting in some of these scenes. Just the, the people just like evaporating. I mean, it it looks like the scene from Indiana Jones, the Crystal Skull, when the guy's face is like milk. Sorry, Crystal Skull, the uh, Temple of Doom or whatever the fuck. I think it's when the guy's face is like melting or something like that. And it looks like that scene over and over and over. It's like, God dang. It's like, jeez, how is this, you know, 14-year-olds or whatever. Or, or You know, it's not mature. Um, but it, it's crazy all the, the effects they get um, accomplished in here. Some of the scenes are crazy. Um, acting's overall pretty damn great. It's the storyline that's kind of lacking in, in some of the areas, and its uh, general direction and focus is just kind of stagnant in a way. I don't know, and it doesn't have as much as a, of an emotional pull. Um, music, as always, is phenomenal. Can't get over it. Um, 
yeah, but I, I I do love me some Stranger Things. As as pretty much as soon as it's over, I want to watch more and I want to go back and rewatch the other ones, um, first and second season. But who knows? We might do it later in uh later in the year if we got more time or something like that. But thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast, um, Stranger Things review. I hope you enjoyed uh, watching Stranger Things and listening to the podcast with us. Um, I I thought it was a great season. It definitely was not perfect by uh, any standards, but I mean it, it's pretty difficult to to match your first album. So I think it's definitely stronger than the first. Um, sorry, the first season still reigns the highest. Second, probably the lowest, and then third is. Uh, probably back up there again. I think that first and third seasons are some of the best uh, Netflix television you can get. And, uh, yeah, I I hella enjoyed it. So comments, questions, concerns, email theluckydogpodcast at gmail.com, Twitter at luckydogpodcast, Facebook. uh, We have a Facebook group down linked below, Twitch, twitch.tv slash luckydogpodcast, Instagram, instagram.com slash theluckydogpodcast for some cool photos and screenshots and stuff, other cool stuff for posting. Um, If you want to donate, PayPal me slash theluckydogpodcast. That helps us pay for uh, having things like Netflix and Hulu and going to movies and having uh, cool interviews with people. So, um, And overall, just producing better podcasts. So, we grow with the help of your support. So thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast. We could not do this without you, no matter who you are, where you're listening, what you like, what you're doing, whether you're driving down the car or you're listening in the shower or whatever, mowing the lawn or whatever the hell y'all are doing. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the rest of the Lucky Dog Podcast. Uh, we have a bunch of other library um favorites right now we have uh the Lil Nas X7 album review um we also have uh the aftercast number two out when just kind of discussing what's been going on in our personal life recently um toy stories 4321 we have all of the toy stories um released and uh men in black international and uh just released swamp thing on the dc network whatever network is on now um So yeah, uh, be sure to check out all these podcasts and uh, thank you for listening and take it easy. I need you to trust me. Holy mother of God.